You're listening to Mr. Suave at MrSuave.com. Quiet, numbskulls, I'm broadcasting. Okay, all you freshman fucks, listen up. It's your lucky day.
Hi, this is Sal from the Gold Stars in Chicago, Illinois, and you're listening to Mr. Swab's Mod Mod World at MrSwab.com. Oh yeah, baby! Coming to you live via recording earlier from the studio bar in Suave headquarters in Seattle, this is Mr. Swab's Mod Mod World. I'm Mr. Swab, and I am joined this week by... By or with? I guess it's with. You know, Mrs. Suave says that uh, prepositions are the most important parts of speech. What does she know? <laughs> um, this is Mary, Queen of Cosmos. Welcome back, Mary. It's great to be here. We haven't done a show together in a long time. Uh, yeah, I think maybe because COVID? Yeah, probably. Certainly the first half of the year, right? We couldn't be in the same room together. Right, right. We did a few remotes last year. Right. And now we are both together in the studio bar here at Suave Manor, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, enjoying a libation or two. And uh, we kicked off the show with a couple of songs that probably most of the listeners will know. Um, they're gateway songs. That's our kind of way to get into this today is gateway drugs. Yes, yes. It started off as musical crushes. Yes. Um, and then I sent you a text saying, let, yes, yes, let's do this by genre. And you read genes, as in genetic genes. And- <laughs> I was like, that's not the kind of crush I meant. I didn't really mean a crush. I meant a musical crush. It took me several days to finally realize it said genres, mm-hmm. um, which was a good idea. It is a good, it's a great idea. But then as we were talking about the show this week, we thought, well, it's sort of like this was my first taste of this genre. And because of this song or this artist, um, now I have access to all of this music, all of these songs. Right. Which is why I kicked it off with my first uh, musical crush. Not really a musical crush, but definitely my gateway drug, which really truly was the Sex Pistols Anarchy in the UK. Do you want to say anything more about that? Um, imagine this. It was first recorded 1976, released Ooh. at the end of 1976, arguably one of the first punk recordings out there. People argue all the time whether it was the Sex Pistols or the Damned or the Ramones. Uh, anyhow, it was early. But imagine that in the mid-70s, not even the late 70s. I was noticing in my research a lot of mid-70s stuff. And I don't know if that's just because we are music aficionados of a certain age. Right. <laughs> yeah, there's that too. Um, one thing that I noticed uh, as I was reviewing my song choices is that for every single one of my first picks, I can remember exactly where I was when I heard this song and, and like the device that it played on. Um, and so that was, I, I didn't choose my songs based on that, but that was just sort of an interesting we're very different. I couldn't tell you exactly where I was when I heard of any of the songs that I picked. Um, and we'll talk a little bit about why those picks were later, of course. But tell me what was your first gateway to our genre is punk rock to start with. And what was your... Well, okay. So Rebel Girl, Bikini Kill, uh, Kathleen Hanna, I Adore, uh, Riot Girl, Movement Founder, one of them. And... Um, so actually, and, and I came late to Kathleen yeah. Hanna and Bikini Kill. Yeah. Um, I feel like in the 90s, college girls either went on the sort of indigo girls, sort of folksy mm-hmm. path or the riot girls path. And, and I spent the 90s sort of with the indigo girls. I'm sorry. No shame. Beautiful music. But it was in the 2013 film, The Punk Singer, that I, I met Kathleen Hanna and just fell in love 
Um, so yes, Rebel Girl. Um, and I have even, like, I ha- I'm a teacher, and I have certain students that I feel would benefit from slam dancing. And <laughs> I have slam danced to this song before school with some of my students. Wow. Don't tell their parents that. Uh, <laughs> I would guess that most of your students would benefit from a good slamming. A, a slam dancing. Can, can, can I no, say that? No, you cannot. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good thing Mary Queen of Cosmos isn't my teaching name. Right. <laughs> well, I picked the Sex Pistols and I have no idea why or what I was doing the first time I heard it. But I do know that around 1979, I had a friend, uh, Billy, and he was into better music than I was. I was 12 or 13 at the time. Thank and, God for those friends. And he had an older friend who was a couple years older than that even, maybe even pushing 15, Barry. And he had all this music, or he knew about it. And Halloween came, and I had been hearing about the Sex Pistols, but I didn't really know what it was. But then I did hear it on TV, and I, I do remember one thing. Um, there was a question about them on Hollywood Squares. There you go. Because they were, I mean, they were making an impact as this riot culture changing sort of thing. And then there was the disastrous tour of the United States where they booked them into the worst possible clubs for them to appear, which I still convinced was just a marketing ploy. Uh, and it was on the news everywhere. But I remember Anarchy in the UK and I heard it and I wanted to be a punk for uh, Halloween. And so I was. I had to sneak out of my house, go to Billy's house, because my mother would never have let no, me dress up like no, this. No, not, not at all. And I had these ripped jeans and tennis shoes, and I uh, cut the sleeves off of a sweatshirt, and we all we did was write names of bands on it. And I can remember it had the Sex Pistols, of course, and the only other thing that I knew, which I kind of thought was punk then, uh, was Devo Whip It had just come out recently. So this is 79 or 80. Classic. And then the other bands that were written on there, I really had never heard them, but they were, I was told, these are punk bands, you need to write their names here. Oingo Boingo, The Jam, The Damned, uh, and this is how clueless we were, Cheap Trick, uh, ACDC, I think. There were a couple of others, and it was like, it was kind of this hodgepodge of things. And then we took a safety pin and bent it, and I put it in my mouth so it looked like it went through my Ooh. cheek, but it didn't really. Okay. Okay. Wow. That is masterful makeup artistry. <laughs> so that was my introduction to punk rock was through those things. And it was definitely a gateway at that point. I do want to mention that I saw Punk Singer, the Punk Singer in 2013 at the Harvard exit. Um, oh, that doesn't exist anymore. Seattle theater. I know. So I, that's exactly where I was, the Harvard exit. And Is it the one that actually had pillars and you had to be careful that eating it stuck behind it because you couldn't see the screen? I think that's the Egyptian. Oh. Yeah. They're both gone now, sadly. I know. All the good things. All the good things. Well, let's get to more good things. We're going to play what those first two songs led us to later that we would maybe have never uh, been introduced to if we hadn't heard... Uh, Bikini Kill, and the Sex Pistols. Are we playing them now? Yes. Are, are we saying what we're playing? No, let's just play them, then we'll talk about it in a minute. All right. I like, to, I like to keep people in suspense for half a second. Fool. I won't say 
did you did you notice how tricky I was with the Julie Ruin? How tricky were you? Super trick. <laughs> tricky, 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 super tricky. Okay, you're not at school. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so you you know tone it down. <laughs> and we're back. Um, what did we just hear? Julie Ruin. Yeah, we heard the. So, oh, sorry, the well, Julie Ruin. It's, it's, it's important. It is an important point because Kathleen Hanna, um, when Bikini Kill was breaking up, she recorded like a bedroom album under the name Julie Ruin. Um, and I think that was, that I have the date written down somewhere. Um, 1997. 1997. Wow. Um, and then in 2010, she reunited with Bikini Kill bandmate Julie Wilcox and several other musicians, and they created the band The Julie Ruin. Because prepositions are important, right? That's an article. Okay. But yes. Whatever. I knew this was going to end up being some sort of an English lesson. Well, you have a type. That's a great song. She is a... Um, is dynamo the right word? Okay, here's here's what I... Here's what I love about Kathleen Hanna. And, and like, her punk in... We saw her in 2016. Like, three days after the after election. After the election. <laughs> And we went to the show box, which I hope is still a oh, thing. The, the sign is still there. <sighs> we went to the show box, and we were expecting her to just be mightily pissed off. Yeah, we thought she was maybe going to go on a terror rampage. Mm-hmm. It was their first show under the uh, Der Fearher. And, and, and here's what was punk about it. She has never looked more beautiful. Um, and, and like hot pink sequin dress yeah um the band all Rather were demure uh, yeah, the band all wore pastel she never mentioned his name just like voldemort or politics uh, or no. anything they just played kick-ass music blisteringly fast too mm-hmm. for like two hours straight without talking politics or culture on a day when that's pretty much everybody was still talking about well yes that day and then for four years right um and oh my god joy is an act of resistance that was i can't think of the name of that band and so i'm just sorry um but that was an album that came out i think two years ago and i think about that title a lot like joy is an act of resistance that's what kathleen hannah was doing on that night on that night right joy as an act of resistance well uh, the song I picked was uh, inevitable. Like I said, it was inevitable. I got to where I'm at without the Sex Pistols and meeting them in the late '70s as a little kid. Uh, it without them, I never probably find the jam. At least not in the way that I would have found the jam. And and I'm gonna say when he accidentally told me that at the break, I kind of fell almost off my chair. <laughs> so so that that seems. Yeah, to, you're surprised by my picks. I know all of yours. That's because I showed you my picks. I showed you mine. You did not show me yours. The picks were they they weren't as great as people probably are thinking they are. Maybe not. Maybe not. <laughs> I picked the jam in the city uh, because. I had written the jam on my sweatshirt for Halloween, of course, and it, at the time I thought that's kind of a stupid name, the jam. Uh, but I was caught up in all these names, and Barry was feeding us these names that we didn't really know much about at the time. 
And it really was a number of years later, I got interested in punk rock and started to discover uh, new wave stuff at the time, mostly British. The jam was, I, I'm sure I came across them, but it wasn't really until I got into the mod thing in about 1983 or so that I realized the jam and I'm like, I thought they were a punk band. No, 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 they're not really a punk band. They were a mod band, huh. or they were mods who had a punk band. I mean, anyhow. But, but they couldn't. Ex- they couldn't have existed without. Without, well, for me, they couldn't have existed without uh, the Sex Pistols. But of course, their album comes out in 1977, months after those early albums by some of the others. I mean, they're right at the forefront, and they'd been playing and recording together for a couple of years already. So, like, they actually get started in, in Paul Willer's dad's garage or something, I think. You know, like 74, 75. That's so earnest. By 76, they're really going. They, you know, get the first album in 77 within the city. And that that track is just... Uh, iconic. Yeah, it's iconic. Um, the Idols, for everyone who's, like, being driven crazy by the the name of the album joy as an act of resistance oh you just the idols you're the only one being driven crazy i was and i I googled it because that's what we do (laughs) you did i didn't even see you do that i know i can pretend to google yourself privately all the time (laughs) um are we going to announce the next genre are we just going to play no the next genre is new wave I mean, we'll probably discuss what new wave means. I don't even know. At this point in time, it means a whole lot of things, doesn't it? Mm. Um, So we're going to jump all the way back to French movies. (laughs) Where are my cigarettes? (laughs) All right. let's, uh, Let's take a listen to a couple of gateway songs for us.
gateway songs gateway drugs to new wave that last one of course was only a lad boingo boingo uh it's the title track from their debut album 1980 and it was definitely an album that had a huge impact on my 1980 psyche should we have everyone pause and google the album cover (laughs) the album cover's cool um i thought it was cool my mother did not is that one of the ones she burned? Uh, no, the, the the ones that she really hated uh, was the one was Rush 2112. Uh, she did uh, burn that album 
in a trash can because she couldn't stand the fact that I was listening to this satanic music. It was about that time, too. I mean, I was eclectic as a 13 or 14-year-old. I hadn't yet really found myself. Well, and that's why you're you're modcasting today. Right. That's right. Thanks, Sue. <laughs> she did so much for my, my early substance abuse. <laughs> I was, I was going to say substantive growth, but then it came out substance, and I thought, no, it really is. She did a lot for my substance abuse. Yeah, there's, that's not, it, it, it is a Freudian slip. Yeah, maybe. Mm. It, and it was the early abuse, the mid-century abuse, the current abuse, as I drink my Gibson martini. Ah, uh, Gib. Um, for me, I chose jumping someone else's train. Uh, the Cure, and I, I can remember on my clock radio in my yellow bedroom with the popcorn ceilings. And you know the good radio stations were on the edges of the... Right. Right, right. And I had just returned from a trip to San Jose, California. I was born in San Jose, and 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 every time I would go there, my dear friend John Trammell, hi, John, if you're listening, your mom would, like, send us out on adventures together, and uh, you drove me in a really cool car, I think, to go to Great America, and you played The Cure, and it was amazing. So... I just have to back up. You remember exactly where you were when you heard this song first. Well, okay. He played The Cure. It's unclear if that was in the car or in your bedroom well, with the so, yellow walls and the popcorn ceiling that you were looking at. What so were you I doing? Was, I was <laughs> inter- introduced to The Cure in the car mm-hmm. on our way to Great America. This story then, gets better and better. And then I was addicted, wow. and, that, and that's when I found the far left edge yeah, I'll bet of, you did. of radio stations. Mm-hmm. Nice. And yeah. Uh, so, yeah, and from then on, I've been... Good job, just, John. What's your name? Trammell. And, and you, 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 you jumped on my joke. I was going to say, ever since then, I've been jumping someone else's train. That's too good. Uh, that's a great song. Uh, I remember getting the Staring at the Beach uh, CD sometime in the early to mid-90s, of mm-hmm. the first best of the Cure CD. Uh, and then there are more after that, right? But for me, they're always those first songs are yeah. the best. Yeah, and those first songs, um, you they're know, gateway. They're, they're gateway. And they were also, that was sort of pre-goth. Oh, and I was yeah. wondering, like, are they called the Goth Fathers? Oh yeah, I'm sorry. That was bad. That was oh. a that was a mom. I don't joke. know if they are or not. But they they, know, they maybe they, I don't know enough about goth to really comment. But but this was when they were playing their jaggedy, edgy pop stuff. Yeah, and I mean there are times there right where it sounds like a train in the song. I hadn't thought of that. There's you a know, couple of places where there's a it just sounds like the train's going by, you know, and it's uh, it's pretty cool how they did that, and it's a great song. It is Def- a great song, definitely. Um, and where did where did these songs take us? They took us on a great adventure. Um, uh, really, the the new wave thing for me is the same as the punk thing a little bit. They all kind of run together. It's hard to to break those apart because I was getting into that music. I had learned about the Sex Pistols, and then eventually. Yelled at my dogs to stop barking. Stupid dog! Although his name is Gibson. (laughs) It is Gibson. And that's Gibson who is barking. Martini namesake. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, I went on a... I remember going on a ski trip with a church 
youth group in so the winter. That's in a school bus, right? Oh like yes, a, yes, a exactly. Yellow school bus. I it's, took those trips. It's 1981, and I'm already enjoying the Sex Pistols, which have opened me up to a lot of new music. I'm listening to K Rock in LA oh. and it's like oh my god all this great music it's new wave and punk and ska and all sorts of stuff mixed together and I can remember going back to the Sex Pistols there were people talking about the Sex Pistols on the trip but the album that was being listened to most by people was only a lad by Oingo Boingo and it was an individual experience because Walkmans were brand new. Mm. Everybody was sitting listening on their little headset, you know, those little foam. I have a Walkman earphone, story later. You know, and I couldn't afford a Walkman, so I had this crappy, like, cassette recorder that mm-hmm. the, the glass had broken off, or oh. the plastic had broken off the front of it. <laughs> Made it easier to get the cassettes in and out. But we were all listening to Oingo Boingo and, and other things, and so that's why Only a Lad led me to... Um, so much music because that trip I remember like they're like dude you gotta listen to to K-Rock's morning show and I went home from that and the morning show became my alarm that I woke up to after that and they it was hard to choose one song for this that it led me to because the gateway was like a floodgate open Mm -hmm. it was not one thing that I found it was a hundred and one things so that's interesting that this album for you just sort of opened up the floodgates because mm-hmm. that's what The Cure and, and again, jump in someone else's train. That song, when I found it on the far left side of the dial, when you find the far left side of the dial, you're not going back to the middle. That is totally true. And so, you know, for me, it's like pretty much everything else that I could, that, that I, I could pick any song after this song that would be appropriate for, for a gateway. But um, I chose, well, we're not talking about what we chose, right? No, we're going to talk about it in just right, a minute. Right, we are going to talk about it in just a minute. <laughs> <laughs> Does this go in the blooper reel? Yeah, it, something will. Enjoy.
second fetus. You're welcome. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, Mr. Suave. You made that all yourself, didn't you? Yeah. Yeah. Beginning to end, it's a truly Mr. Suave concoction. Um, have you posted the recipe? No, I've been arrested for roofing people or something. I'm still fine. (laughs) Post that shit. Really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's a delicious drink. I mean, it's not hard. Uh, That's what she said? 
Oh, <laughs> it's Gin, uh-huh. Saint Germain, uh-huh. Campari, yep. Lemon juice, just a, a, a little, a dash of lemon juice. I like a is lot more like, lemon juice than you do. I do. Oh yeah. So is it two parts gin to one part? It really. The original recipe I had was one part to one part of everything. So mm. one shot gin, Campari, Saint Germain, lemon juice. It has become altered because you want more gin. I am a gin hound. Yes, you lush. Uh, you want more gin, so I thought, well, I'll just double Mary's gin intake. <laughs> I make it for her. Then she said, yeah, but it's too lemony. And so now it's like mostly gin, a little splash of Campari and Saint-Germain, and hardly any lemon juice at all. I didn't realize I was making them so lemony for you. Sorry. And then more gin. Mm-hmm. Just top it off with some gin. Well, this is actually not a podcast about cocktails. <laughs> <laughs> what did we just listen to? Uh, we just listened to um, what you got led to, Fontaine's DC. Yeah, so again, The Cure and the left side of the dial and jumping someone else's train. Then you just, you're, you're, you're just open to all the good things. And um, I think I discovered or I didn't discover shit. I found out about uh, Fontaine's DC in 2017 I want to say. You're welcome. No, I I introduced you. Oh, bullshit. Oh, 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 oh. Let's... I can prove it. Okay, okay. We're going to take this offline. Um. So, really? No, 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 no. We're going to fight about this later. <laughs> <laughs> I found, about the, found out about them on the morning show from John on KEXP, and then they came and did a special secret show that they weren't allowed to say was a special secret show, uh, but you could text to the radio station and say, hey, I'm not asking, but I'm asking, and then he told me where the show was, but uh, again, I'm a teacher, and I go to bed at 7. Why would you go to bed at 7, and what does that have to do with being a teacher we didn't well because i fall asleep it's a hard separate job. podcast <laughs> um but yeah i should have oh my gosh i have so many this could be a show all the shows i should have gone to oh yeah right mm-hmm. don't get me started on that list it's painful and people will slap me for it and probably you too yeah uh, fontaine's dc i do like them i think they have kind of a modern Take on Brit pop, guitar pop, very mod friendly sort of thing. I think that the guitar intro is so much cleaner than um, the the Cure, and, and 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 you know that's not not a diss either right. way. It's just a different but, take on. Yeah, something. it's a different take. So this is me agreeing with you on everything, but the fact that I found them for myself and then sent you the link. Fake news. <laughs> Who did you play? I played. Um, a band that it that was really hard for me to come up with one new wave sort of group that I was led to after being introduced to Oingo Boingo, uh, because all these things are so tied together. If I don't get interested in punk rock for some strange reason for Halloween as a little kid, I don't kind of start following that music, and then I don't discover you know these other things. And if I don't go on a ski trip. 
with the church youth group in about 1981 or so. The serendipity of it all. (laughs) Where everyone in that ski trip is listening to Oingo Boingo. Only a lad. That leads me to this whole new world. And they also start telling me, you've got to listen to all the K-Rock shows. Uh, the Poor Man and Swedish Eagle and Romano and the Blade, and they had these morning shows. That's where Dr. Drew got his start on Loveline. Uh, so many, like, really cool DJs were there in the early 80s and made K-Rock this incredible place. That It was the, the only music you or station you could find that was going to play Oingo Boingo and someone like Echo and the Bunnymen. And I chose an Echo song that's a later one from the late 80s, uh, Bed Bugs and Ballyhoo. That is a freaking fantastic song. Super kind of moody, atmospheric, new wave thing, but it's a, it's a great song. I would probably never have discovered it without getting led into these things from Oingo Boingo of all people and Danny Elfman. And we won't get into that. We won't get into that. Are we going to get into our next genre, <laughs> which is acid jazz? Uh, bullshit. <laughs> can't even get, she can't even define her genres right. I can't. <laughs> yeah, we're going to get into another genre, and we're going to uh, have a couple of gateway songs from that that get us to some other crazy stuff, too. And we'll probably fight some more. Yep. Lords and ladies pass a The sons and girls go hand in land From good stock and the best breeding Paid for by the servile class Who have been told all lying state to bow down forth and face their fate Oh, it's easy, so, so easy Oh, righteousness did build that arrow To shoot it straight into their lives would expect the mighty sparrow oh, Could rid our world of all their kind Rising up and taking back The property of every man It's so easy, so, so easy Thing. From family trees the dukes to swing Just one blow to scratch the itch The laws made for and by the rich It would be easy, so, so easy Do-do-do-do-do-da-da 
think you're a bloody stupid old fart. You're all talk, Blondie. You want a piece of me? I'm right here. Don't provoke me, old man. You don't scare me. I got chunks of guys like you in my stool. It's a floor wax. No, it's a... It's an ice cream topping. No, a dessert <laughs> topping. <laughs> Damn it, I forgot it's a dessert topping. Yeah. I know. It's an age-old argument, isn't it? Whether it is. Whether it's a dessert topping or... Or a floor wax. <laughs> Actually, it is... Uh, Acid jazz. It's synth pop. Mm. That's a more inclusive term. And, and acid jazz is not yacht rock. I've made that comparison at times for... Emphasis sake. Well, it's not really true. Then, then you misteached me. <laughs> <laughs> Only a teacher can talk like that. It's you true. misteached me. Yeah, the, 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 they get the irony. I've established it because of my parts of speech expertise. This, this, uh, the genre really is acid jazz that we're talking about. Well, here's an. We an, can argue over. We it, can. But. We can. And there are lots of uh, intersecting circles. Mm. I would think. Yes. For me, I mean, Swing Out Sister, and this song in particular, it sort of took everything that was schmaltzy about the music that my parents played, you know, growing up and easy listening, and but it made it cool. And so I heard this and, and, and bought the cassette tape right away. And, and I'm cassette so, tape? I'm, and <laughs> I, I apologize. I had a yellow sports Sony Walkman. Um, and I would run around the track to this, this album over and over and over again. And I have a very clear and specific... I, I, I am on a cinder track. I, I'm right there with you on Swing and Sister. I had a... Uh... A knockoff because I, I still couldn't afford a Walkman in 1986 and I was buying it all with my own freaking money that I made uh, vacuuming late at night in medical facilities overnight as a janitor. And I was the only one there, so I'm listening to my knockoff with my Swing Out Sister actual cassette tape. And I think that maybe we became friends. Like, like you know, I'm best friends with Mrs. Suave and it's just a nice it's 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 a nice bonus that we get along um and and it was talking about swing out sister because yeah. they are just it's a formative it's true yeah yeah they 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 were uh certainly formative um i i i think of that as synth pop sort of it it is sort of acid jazz but acid jazz is is quite a bit different i think well We'll have to discuss my next... So my next well, song is a jump to acid well, I, jazz. I'm just going to do some teaching. It's a teachable moment. So I will I will so, close my mouth and listen. Quote, established in 1987 by Eddie Pilar and Giles Peterson, who left in 1989 to form Talkin' Loud. So it says here. Uh, Dean Rudland also managed label in the early years. The name of the label was a tongue-in-cheek response to the Acid House explosion. The label rapidly began producing records that, although often containing very little jazz and even less acid, became the ultimate symbol of late 80s and early 90s chic. This became evident when the term acid jazz, rather than simply referring to the label, began being applied both by the press and on the street to any record that had an acid jazz feel to it. End quote. Discogs.com. 
I'm, I'm going to drop a mic. You won't hear it, though, because if I drop my mic again, it would be the second time today. We're lucky this is getting recorded at all. So, so I guess <laughs> your facts beat my feelings. Yeah, well, that, um, that, that is usually the case when it comes to facts <laughs> and feelings. But. Um, and, and, and your pick should be no surprise to anyone who knows you. That's right. Um, I was I was pissed at Paul Weller, like a lot of people, for breaking up the jam, the 82, 83, right? But even though I was only kind of got into the jam in 1983 after they'd broken up because I got jam snap right when I, like, finally called myself a mod. And I lived and died by that, which was the greatest hits of the jam, basically. Um, so immediately on the heels of that, while I'm brand new to this whole mod thing, and I'm extremely dedicated as you can imagine mm. a 16 year old would be at that moment you know dedicated to a subculture to the nth degree earnest af and um paul weller releases some bullshit thing called the style council it sounds like some sort of like guy some old guy with his guitar smoking a cigarette in a coffee house which is exactly what it sounds like. An old guy with a guitar smoking a cigarette in a coffee house on that first half of the Introducing the Style Council album. And let's just acknowledge that he was a baby then. Yeah, that's true. Even then he was still a baby, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I I come to the I came to this a lot later. It was I did not embrace the Style Council until uh, quite a few years later, but when I did, and I quite a few 86 <laughs> <laughs> It was two or three years that's, later. It wasn't like... That's respectable. I held out for a little while. Um, but the whole point of No Return. And when you hear the songs on Introducing the Style Council on that first half of the album, yeah. it sounds like jazz, mm-hmm. dropping bombs mm-hmm. on the White House, the Paris match. Yeah. It mixes soul and jazz, and it's like sultry and sophisticated, which is why when I first heard it, I hated it, because I wanted it to sound like the jam. Right. You wanted And only the same. Uh, Solid Bond in Your Heart sounded like that. And I was so stupid then that I couldn't grasp onto even that one song because I was mad. And it took me a little while to get into it. But then I suddenly thought, oh my gosh, this is a guy playing his guitar mm. in a smoky jazz club, drinking, <laughs> drinking cappuccino and you know, smoking Turkish clothes cigarettes or something. And I thought that was so cool. Uh, and so by the late 80s, I was a total style council aficionado. And it, I do think that that synth pop sort of applies, but it's certainly acid jazz. Okay. Lays the, the groundwork for acid jazz as a genre, along with some others of the time. Swing Out Sister, I came to because I suddenly saw the light, and it was like all these things happened at once. And I can remember in 1986 watching the Swing Out Sister they did a video, a DVD, it wasn't a DVD, I guess. It was probably a VHS, of, I'm sure, but it had like five videos on it. And it was most of the songs on that first album, but they were like so cool. Yeah, yeah. One of our dream destination vacations is to go watch them perform Yeah. in Paris or Milan. So if you're hearing us, Swing Out Sister, and Kareem, you... Andy... 
If you, and you want to send us. I keep emailing you. Yeah, we do. We do. We post a lot on the Facebook. I and, used to always ask them, are you coming to Seattle? Nah. Chirping crickets, you know, because nobody comes to Seattle, especially not during COVID. Um, but someday we will go to Europe maybe and see them play at a jazz festival somewhere. I don't know. While Mrs. Suave goes to an art gallery. Yeah, she'll, she'll do her own thing. She will. Um, I'm excited to see where we're going with this acid jazz floor wax. I know. What, dessert what could possibly be opened up to you by hearing Swing Out Sister for the first time? Where would that lead you? Oh, gonna... Mr. Suave opened me. <laughs> um, again, this is uh, a, an all-ages show, so just keep it clean. Um, yeah, both the Style Council and Swing Out Sister list interesting places. Places we will now go to. Ladies and gentlemen, as you know, we have something special down here at Birdland this evening. A recording for Blue Note Records. Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on, give me more. 
of that funky horn.
Okay, we just have to start recording because we have to talk about these songs. I know. I I owe my love of corduroy, not the fabric. Uh, my love of corduroy, the fabric goes back to the seventies, <laughs> but the band uh, is to you and a, a, a modcast that you produced. I don't know. It was. Five years ago? Who knows? Who knows? Who knows? It's been a 15-year run. But, yeah, yeah, cheers to that. Um, but you had an acid jazz show, and I, I swear to God, every song that you played, I would pause, and then I would find it and buy it. Um, and that's when I met Corduroy. And it has that same place in my heart that... Um, you know, the, those songs that my parents would play that was easily, easy listening, and some of it was elevator music, and some of it was lounge, and I kind of learned to love both, and mm-hmm. that's what mm-hmm. corduroy means to me. And I have, at times, referred to corduroy uh, affectionately as yacht rock, mm-hmm. and yacht rock's a hard thing to define. All these things are hard to define, really, but... There are songs that they have that fit that, and but then there are songs they have that are like in the spy theme jazz sort of, you know, or the funky mod jazz kind of area. They kind of get her all over the board. They find their do you say niche or niche? I I don't now that you ask me, I have no idea. I know I'd have to say it just on the spur so, of the moment to, for us to know which niche I was in. There niche. you go. I don't okay. know, but okay. I did that on purpose. Um. <laughs> <laughs> okay, your song blew me. Like wait, wait, wait. What was the corduroy song? Oh, the corduroy song. That's a long title. Was well, and there, there's there, there are conventions. It's parentheses. I know, and parentheses. Where are the good times? And then parentheses have gone. Parentheses. Uh, okay. Only a teacher would pick a song with a title that has two sets of parentheses in it. Well, because, you know, I think... <laughs> An it's, English teacher. I think it's interesting if you ignore the parentheses, which is extra information, it's where, where the, the good, good times. times have gone. Yeah. Or, no, it's just where, where the, the good, good times. times. You're right. It's a great song. Yep. Um, what album was it from? Uh, uh, the New You from 1997. 19. And I want to put a pin in 1997 for a song I'm or an artist I'm going to discuss later. So wow, just, we don't have a lot of time left. 1997. All right, 1997. Okay. But your song, Holy Jeeper Wow. Yeah. Uh, if I hadn't had the trail that has led us to this point so far, I wouldn't have had my introduction to acid jazzy sort of stuff from the style council which is really where it started and then by the late 80s early 90s i was hearing about this acid jazz label but remember even when i was living in california that was not a thing that was easy to find and then by 1989 or 90 i'm by the end of 89 i'm here in seattle and stuck here for a while and there is no record stores that are going to have the acid jazz label from London. No. And I, and I was also going to ask, was anything easy to find before the internet? Well, it took curation yeah, and you dedication had, it and did. And, work. And uh, growing up in Southern California, I was lucky I'd hop on a scooter and go to Hollywood and you would dig through the albums and, you know, the various record, Tower Records and stuff down on Melrose and see what they had. Or there was um, Rhino Records in Claremont. 
in, right in my neck of the woods at the time, which is where we would go and see what was new. And they were the only place that carried indie, what would have been indie then, or do-it-yourself kind of stuff, or small label things. Um, so finding artists via that, you know, the Acid Jazz label or, or the record label or the label for the genre, because there are two, right? Right, right. There's a record label known as Acid Jazz. That's a label. And then later, there's music that's labeled as acid jazz because of that. Um, but yeah, I, I discovered Us Three in the early 90s. 92 is when uh, they released the single for Cantaloupe, uh, which is a take on 1964 Herbie Hancock. Great piece of jazz music, Cantaloupe Island, which had already been famous for years and been used in tons of things. But nobody would ever sampled it or recreated it the way that us three did on the uh, Hand on the Torch album. And that is certainly, I would never have found that without Acid Jazz. So that's, that's how I get to that point. I'm excited where we're going next. Where are we going next? Are we going to give it away? Well, we got I mean, come full circle, sort of. Yeah, soul. I mean, everything begins and ends with soul. That's true. Every, if it doesn't have soul, it's not music, right? No, no. Okay. So, hit play. All right.
they get gravel pits (laughs) and my memory of sir duke is gravel pit transistor radio and and you know the songs would just come on and you can't plan them you don't know when they're going to come on and i can remember this song coming on and it was like a shooting star falling in my lap and i wanted to keep it forever um and yeah this is just 
this song made me love well god what are the lyrics about uh, just that that and i'm i'm shit at lyrics basically <laughs> it's it's music that speaks to your soul and vibrates throughout your entire being and that's what sir duke did for me when i was what this is 77 so i was 8 it came out in 77 came out in 77 wow. i was later than i had expected but it's stevie wonder i mean what's oh, not to like yes and acknowledging duke ellington sir duke um count basie glenn miller mm-hmm. louis satchmo armstrong and of course ella fitzgerald yeah yeah i i remember this song vaguely from roller skating ha i, I love remember- the roller skating songs so many of these songs were songs i first heard at the roller rink <laughs> in the late 70s and early 80s. And they would do Motown songs. What was great about uh, the roller rink was, it was like when you put your iPod or iPod, that dates me. Uh, you put something on shuffle mm-hmm. and you could get a soul song and then a new wave song and then a rock song. And that's what it was like when we went roller skating. It was but a genre our, mashup. Yeah, it was. Um, and I remember a lot of the songs that we've talked about here, especially the really early ones, uh, being played well, roller skating, but definitely Stevie Wonder. Yeah. So that's, we, we heard Sir Duke most recently. And before that. So before that, that, I have to ask. Yeah. You heard this, uh, say 77, 78, probably right after it came out. It was super popular. We were just talking about how it hit number one. I didn't realize it was a number one hit. That's a pretty big deal. So, obviously, you hear it everywhere. That was your introduction to soul music? Or to Stevie Wonder? Well, it it was an introduction to a song that I found by myself. And when it came on the radio, it was one of those songs. And I think about that show, like like Earl, the Earl show. um, My name is Earl. My name is Earl. (laughs) And I remember an episode where his ex-wife, was uh, trying to put together their wedding song list. And so any kind of song that she loved that came on, you'd put your tape recorder next to it. And that's the desperation that I felt about this song. It's like, oh my God, let me run and get my tape recorder, which of course I didn't have because I was eight. But um, yeah, this is one of those songs that I, I can hear it well, all of the songs I picked, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I can listen to them again, again, and again, and again, jumping someone else's train. Right. Uh, for me, I picked, and it was kind of hard to pick, like, a soul tune that I was a gateway for me. I tried to dig back to, like, before I was kind of doing the mod stuff, Did I, I did like 60s music, mm-hmm. and I did like Motown. And it was hard. It was either the song I picked... I Can't Help Myself, uh, The Four Tops, or something by The Jackson 5. And I probably knew The Jackson 5 best because of Saturday morning cartoons. Sweet! Right? Like, you know, you saw The Jackson 5 cartoon, and they would always have a music video and things. Um, But this song I remember early on and just loving it, and all those early easily accessible Motown songs from 64, 65, 66 kind of... Uh, they were they were kind of gateways, and it's interesting because my real gateway to music was much more on the harder side with punk rock and power pop and new wave, and I I was 
enmeshed in that in a way that even when I got into the mod scene, it was that that I gravitated to, the, the power pop and the garage rock part of the 60s vibe, the who and all of that. And not as much as the soul side until Style Council and later. And then I started realizing, okay, I do love this soul, this soul music, this Motown. Now it's like, oh, geez, there's a lot out there that I can investigate. But it took, it took a number of years for me to really get into the soul thing, which is, for a lot of mods, soul is like the only thing. Um, and, and so and that's just strange. The, the, the influence. I mean, the influence of soul in pretty much any genre is, you know, and, and there are there are master's theses and PA, uh, you know, you know, we're not saying anything new here. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> um, I think that we're, we need to talk about the songs we're going out on. Well, are we going to go out on Yeah, we could go out on them. We could okay. just play them out. I think for we're us. going to. Oh, I, then you're going to be surprised because you don't. I don't know. She doesn't know what I pick until we get right yes. to that moment. Yes. I know it's, what you pick. It's a Cracker Jack surprise every song. <laughs> um, shall I speak first? Yeah. Go okay, ahead. so, and I imagine that this decision for you was quite traumatic. Like, yeah. like, like, like to, to a, a gateway soul and then like what, what, yeah, it's like all of them. So I want to acknowledge Sharon Jones, Erica Badu, Lauren Hill, Amy Winehouse, boo, Prince. Boo, 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 boo. That's Shaka, me playing you off with no, music. Ah, you, Shaka like Khan, Beyonce, John Lennon. Show. Alicia Keys, Mary J. Blige, Nina Simone, and her, Gabriella Sarmiento Wilson, who was born in 1997, and she played at the Super Bowl this year, and she is the shit. Um, Raphael Sadiq. <laughs> After all that, no, Raphael no, Sadiq. It's, That's it's, where you got Yeah, it's Big Easy from his album, The Way I See It, in 2008. It features the infamous young Spody. Which I Googled. I'm good at Googling and I need to, who is the infamous young Spody? Let me know. Uh, along with uh, <laughs> Rebirth Brass Band, which is another band that we neglected mm -hmm. to see when we were in New Orleans. Um, and I, I didn't research this, but I think this song is a response to uh, Hurricane Katrina. And oh, really? It's, it's this specific song. This specific song. song mm. And it's, it's beautiful. His. Uh, move into doing like pure 60s based northern soul Motown type soul I think he's done two albums Sadiq. like that now yeah, yeah. Raphael Sadiq fantastic some of the greatest modern soul stuff that's been done and he got a little bit of acknowledgement for it but not nearly what he deserved well and, and also he's a multi-instrumentalist he is a record producer, and, and many of those names that I mentioned when you were trying to shut me down, he's produced uh, records for them. So he yeah. is he's a genius. And I can't remember right now, but where did he get his start? He's from Oakland. No, there's a he was with a boy band or something. Oh yeah, wasn't it was D'Angelo and yeah. yeah, yeah anyhow, yeah. He, yeah, he he started out not necessarily a Northern Soul Stomper kind of person, but that's kind of where he's ended up at least. Part of the time and, and thankfully right uh, so that's where you got to from stevie wonder you mm -hmm. got to a modern soul genius and i took a t <laughs> i took a totally different track on this uh 
it's not really a different track because um, soul music gets me to, you know, mod jazz and, and soul jazz, that stuff I started to learn about, like these soul artists who had jazz with them. And then that was eventually um, led me to kind of cocktail jazz 60s because I'm in the 60s thing and it's it's jazz music, but it's cocktail music. I and am it's... on the edge of my ever loving <laughs> seat, cocktail in hand. And it's and that is, you know, a lounge music then mm. comes out of that, right? Yeah. And that eventually led me to liking all sorts of exotica and tiki music and things. But what it really honestly I honestly believe that soul music eventually leads me to combustible Edison. <gasps> Cheers. Um and Combustible Edison, early 90s, leads me to Martinis and the internet. I discovered them with the first album, I Swinger. Um, I'm going to play uh, Millionaire's Holiday from them. Uh, because it's classic. It's sort of the song of theirs that you you just... All of them are great, but that I Swinger, the album starts with one song. Gosh, now I can't even remember what it's called, but it's like a minute and a half long. When you hear it, you'll know it. Um, it's a song that it's a minute and a half long, and that's the introduction I had because I'm pretty sure I discovered them at a listening station. Oh, my. At, listening stations. Right. Back in the early 90s. Yup. You it's went to thing. Borders or Barnes & Noble or something, and they would have albums and or, listing stations. Or Cellophane Square in yes, Bellingham. Cellophane Square. Um, and I'm, I'm sure, it, but the, it hooked me and just fantastic. Is it soul music? No, of course it's not soul music. Is it infused with soul music? Absolutely. Everything is. So that was my pick. And that's where we're going to, we're going to roll out with those two great songs. Okay. And, and I accept everything you just said. I, I just want to push back on, on maybe it was gin that led you to martinis. No, no, it wasn't because on my 21st birthday, I ordered a gin martini and I almost spit it out and mm. thought, oh my God, why would anybody do this? And many years later, uh, somehow I got into the cocktail music, lounge music, combustible Edison, much longer story. Mark McVitie and I set out to find the perfect martini <gasps> Yo. because I had a martini that I suddenly liked the way it tasted, and it was gin. And I thought, well, this is very different than I remember from, you know, years ago. Um, and so, yeah, yeah. So the look on your face is, it kind of seems like that's the moment when you found God. Yeah, it's true. Combustible Addison equals God equals martini. I need another martini. You do. So thank we, should, we should wrap this we up. We should. Thank you. Thank you for having me over. You're welcome. So uh, from the, what what am I calling this? The the studio bar. Yes, yes. You can't see it. It looks bar. good. I would have liked video, but that just didn't happen. Yeah. Uh, anyhow. Uh, from the studio bar at Suave Manor, also known as Suave Headquarters in Seattle. Thank you for listening.
been a couple of days and a real dark night. I miss my own child. I ain't seen her since that night. She left home about eight and never to return. Our bodies floating, floating through that river.
Sears Mall and Sunday News Special. This is Walter Cronkite saying good night. Good night.